0: Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Washington Wizards 114 to 104. They are now 37 and 38. They've won two games in a row. And against Miami, in a couple days, they have a shot at hitting 500. They've been kicking this around for some time. We'll see if they can actually do it. But on the positive side, they did beat the Wizards tonight. No Beal, no Kuzma. That is of note. That's an important aspect of this. But a win is a win is a win is a win. So on and so forth. OGN and OB with 29 points, 8 rebounds. Pascal, another inefficient night after having a couple really nice games in a row. 19 and 11. Some mistakes that were like, not he's not processing the floor very well as far as turnovers. A couple gaffes defensively, not his best, but 19 and 11. He really gave it his all, especially on the offensive glass. Pirtle, 12 and 12. I think he's just been phenomenal holding down the center spot since arriving. Scotty, 13, 5, 6, and 3. The Raptors are switching a lot of stuff across the top and a lot of stuff with Porzingis. As I've said before, many people remember if they listen to this podcast often, one of the unique micro skills that Scotty it really is great at defensively is switching not necessarily the defending afterwards part of it which he does better than some players worse than others but the act of switching he's very aware during the switch he typically doesn't give guys advantages and he makes those passing lanes seem super mucked up he's just his length and awareness in that particular part of the action Really helps, and it, and it did tonight. And then Fred, 28-4, 7-3. I thought that he was really good. Louis Sassman, uh, he, he had a great tweet about it, talking about the meat hook hands, the heavy hands, and how they played a big part. And they certainly did. He was, he was everywhere defensively. A lot of rotations made. But back to Scotty, I thought that even offensively, 13 points, 5-6, is not anything to write home about. But I do think that he was much better offensively than the statistics led on in this game. There is sometimes the way that Scotty sees the floor, like unquestionably, among many players in the NBA and among the Raptors, he sees the floor the best. His his decision making, the way he processes the floor, sees it, makes decisions. I'm saying everything a couple times now. It's very good. And despite only having the six assists, which is above his season average, but not super robust, despite 13 points, which is below his season average and not super robust. So much of him touching the ball and helping move the Raptors through actions was of a major benefit to the team. And so there's hockey assists, there's looks that ended up as free throws, there's looks that just weren't converted on, but I thought he made really great decisions with the basketball. And this is another game where the Raptors, like, he's 0 of 2 from 3, he shoots 5 of 14 from the floor. It's not really inherent how he's going to navigate it. And especially with all the size on the inside, like Gafford and Porzingis, for example, right? Even Denny Avdiha pinching in is a really nice defender. And both he and Siakam struggled to create against it for their own looks. But man, uh, I just think Scotty. every time he touched the ball, there's like that, that King Midas thing going on. Like it's, he touches it, it's golden. Um, I, I really, really liked his performance tonight. I thought he was great. Uh, what else is great? Ah, uh, the sponsor of this podcast. Yes, it's the you know I'm Samson Folk. This is the Raptor Reaction Podcast, but it is also sponsored by Goldfinger Law. And you know what's great about that? About them, you only pay if you win. That means if you lose, you don't owe a dime. Uh, the the advantages are pretty obvious to that. They're inherent. You can give it a go, see what legal proceedings you can muster. They can muster. You all can muster. If you lose, hey fair's fair no no fees paid if you win fair's fair thanks for winning the case anyway if you're interested 416-7301-777 i'll tell you what i'm interested in og and 29 points um coming in a myriad of different ways uh in this game there's obviously he moves extremely well off ball as a cutter and as a guy who forms up to service his own three-point shooting even hit a pull-up three in this game uh that is not something, you know, I think over the course of his career we're probably sitting below 20%. Um he, it's not something he's had a whole lot of success at. He hit one in this game, was feeling himself. The pull-up on the inside of the arc was also very good. I think he's like 10 of 12 between uh 15 and the three point 15 feet in the three-point line since the all-star break. And he also shot very well from there during this game. Uh he also had a couple like short mid-range shots that he made. Just the way that the Wizards were kind of playing him in those side pick and rolls that OG doesn't always get, but got to start this game. He got downhill. He'd gather at the right time. He'd stop short. The Wizards would pass him by. He'd have a wide open shot. And he even flashing middle for some looks too. And it's it's really nice to see him be a Swiss army knife offensively. The The post-ups that he got, not a lot. They There wasn't a lot going on there. Some of the pick and roll possessions, not a lot going on there. But when he got downhill, he typically was able to make reads out to the corner. There wasn't a whole bunch of shooting that came after that. That's the limitation of the Raptors roster. That's not OG's fault. But as far as just an offensive guy, um, getting out on the break, hitting his threes, supporting his teammates, and also really being able to create his own shot, his own looks, I thought he was tremendous. Um, The 29 points... It's not a cheap 29. He went out there. He got after it, And like he, he hit 11 shots, right? He only took four free throws. He was he was getting to the bucket. He was getting to his spots and he, he hit a lot of them. I thought he was awesome. And the same really can be said for Fred. I thought, Fred, we've talked about this, whether it's the Pull Up Trey podcast, whether it's the weekly podcast, whether it's this podcast, whether it's Confederacy of Dunks, whether it's Buckets and tea. everybody's been talking about how well the whether it's a wrap-up, how well Fred has been doing since Purl's come over. There's also a really good video by Esfandi Arberheni for Steve Dangle Podcast Network, SDPN. Go to their YouTube. He did a really great piece on Pirtle since coming over. And of course, how it's affected Fred is in there too. It's just, he's been awesome. He's been so, so good. Um, it has validated a lot of the pick and roll. Well, it's given more danger to a lot of the pick and roll possessions that otherwise wouldn't have been as dangerous. Some of the, the seven assists that, uh, that are being made here, the, the abundance of assists that he's had since Pirtle's come over, a lot of that does go to Purtle, But that's something that the Raptors need to weaponize. They have to be able to use their rollers, and they finally have one. And Fred is definitely the most well-equipped of all the players on the roster to service a roller. That's why the offense has transitioned towards Fred more so than anybody else. It's been good for the team, as Siakam in particular has been in a dip it's been good to see, and his shot making, whether it's the you know the mid-range where he's just been awesome, and I mean one of the best in the NBA as far as taking over 100 mid-range attempts, he's in the top 10, and he might be able to squeak into the top five by the end of the season. He's just shooting a really great percentage. He's hitting quite a few of them. He's really talented in that area, and also the pull-up three and the catch-and-shoot three have both come a long way since the, earlier in the season when he was slumping. There's a really big piece from Lewis Atzman coming out tomorrow, Monday in the morning on Fred's season offensively. It's going to be a really great deep dive. It's going to be fantastic. Um, I suggest anybody who's listening to this gear up to read that. Fred was also really great tonight. The rest of it, I talked about Scotty Pascal, some of the struggles that were used. Like you imagine Pascal struggling to beat a guy off the dribble, not being able to dominate him physically. And everybody in their mind can kind of recall when that has happened, where that has happened. It's a similar thing that happened with Denny Avdija tonight. At least Avdija is like a really impressive defender and having Porzingis hanging around the rim, that's going to be trouble too. So at least there's a better excuse, but not his best game. And the three turnovers he had, I thought it was lazy basketball. One pass away turnover is just no thought goes into them. Just He's not setting up he or his teammates for success when he does that. It's tough to watch those because those are so easy to avoid. If you just, you know, you, you lock in just a little bit more, something, something that come playoff time, I expect him to exercise from his uh, arsenal of decisions, I suppose. Will Barton, and unfortunate, he he got injured during this game, and it was after he after he had a layup, after he had a nice assist coming downhill. I just wrote about the three end of bench guards, Doughton. Malachi Flynn and Barton and kind of how I see each of them contributing to this team. And the takeaway from that piece is, as I've been banging the drum since, you know, summer league until now, I like Doughton Jr. quite a bit. Um, I also think Doughton Jr. is the best of those three guards. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. But Barton with some really nice plays and, and for strengths that I outlined in that piece, he, he gets injured, though, and he has to come out. So we'll see what's happening with that. No updates. Chris Boucher, six points, seven rebounds. He's always, he has such a presence against teams that if you try and guard him with a wing, I think that Boucher does a really good job of recognizing when and where he's capable of, you know, asserting his physical advantages, especially being such a big, long guy. Um, I thought that he made the the Wizards feel his presence on the offensive glass. And especially, like, even though he didn't make a three, three offensive rebounds, a little bit on the defensive glass as well. I thought that Chris Boucher was good in his 22 minutes. Jeff Dalton Jr. plays 19 minutes. He has three points, two rebounds, four assists. Should have been six assists. One one pass he made at the end of the shot clock was just a bullet, like, poof, no look right to Christian Coloco. Coloco fumbled it, wasn't able to put it into the rim. Even though if he had just caught it, it would have been a wide open dunk. Great look from Delton Jr. He's still like, and and... I don't want to undersell his defense, so I'll start with that. His defense was really, really good. Um, it's not like the Wizards, this version of them, between like Dolan Wright, Corey Kispert, um, Johnny Davis, Goodwin, Kendrick Nunn. None of these guys are going to make you really worry a bunch about how they initiate at the point of attack. Even though Dolan Wright, has, he's very crafty. He's had good games against Raptors this season. I thought that Jeff Dalton Jr. stepped in and was tremendous locking down a bunch of different guards that a bunch of different ball handlers, I should say. He was he was tremendous. He is maybe the best point of attack defender in the organization, and you know that's Eric Curry said the same. So it, it's it's of note, and he he continues every time he steps into games to make an impact on defense. The offense is still kind of muted. It's it's not a huge part of his game. You can tell there's he's hesitant to try and imprint on that side of the floor. He wants to boomerang to guys like the ball comes to him he wants to hit him back. He's like, I'm out here to help you guys. You're the scores. I'm going to get mine on defense. But the thing is, Delton Jr. is a much better offensive player than he's currently playing at, at the you know, NBA level. And a lot of it has to do with aggressiveness. He doesn't want to shake. He doesn't want to shake things up. He doesn't want to ruffle feathers. I get it. But some of these possessions, I would like a little bit more aggressiveness, uh, especially trying to take guys off the bounce with his exceptional first step but he hits a triple he makes a lot of good decisions for his teammates putting them in positions to succeed i thought he was good um, the defense i thought was great i'm really interested to see what his story with the raptors looks like not even not even just to finish out this season but perhaps next season as well um we got precious minutes and precious uh, man he wasn't he's at the end of the bench right now he hasn't been able to give the raptors anything consistently and he it's in flux like he's just he's having a tough time adjusting to the the different role that has come that he's been asked to play since Purtle arrived and Coloco for example who he plays 15 minutes he doesn't score at all he gets three steals he gets a block that first steal where he stepped up and blitzed you know a pick and roll I can't remember if it was Delon Maybe it was Johnny Davis, I think, where he blitzes the pick and roll. Those arms go up into the sky, and Johnny Davis tries to pass over it. It's not close. He 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 gets the, the steal in that case. They get a run out. They score a basket. That's awesome to see. He also has a really great low man rotation for a block. It's just he, he's got so much length. And, you know, this is something Chris Boucher talked about after the last game. Coloco is a really willing learner. He's very coachable. He's a guy who's always picking the brains of the other guys on the roster, trying to improve defensively so that his decision making can be as impressive as his length and his quickness for the for the position. like relative to his contemporaries, you know, he's a pretty quick guy, which means he can navigate some defensive actions a little bit better. And as soon as he starts to figure out like the root efficiency, the decision making that adjoins all this stuff, um he's going to be really, really impressive. And that's not even to say that he hasn't been really impressive so far. As far as a rookie season goes, yes, he had time in the G League. Yes, there's been some ups and downs. But as far as like a second round pick, Coloco, fans, himself, the organization, I'm sure um, just from asking around, everybody seems to be really happy and encouraged with how he's performed so far. And Achua, it's a real shame that Achua can't come into these games and consistently leave a better mark than Coloco's is leaving. There's not a big age difference between the two. Like, Achua is, I think, like maybe four or five months older. It's not a huge difference there, but Achua has a lot more experience. He's played a lot more NBA minutes, and he just, he's really talented. I wanna see him find his way. Maybe that's not necessarily where it is. The only time this game got a little bit, you know, difficult for the Raptors was in the third quarter, where they allowed 38 points. I'm not particularly worried about that. Like their offense wasn't very good in that quarter. And some of that is, you know, just not hitting their shots. And the fact that I think Corey Kispert hit like three threes. Porzingis hit like three threes. I think Johnny Davis hit a three. Like they had a lot of threes. And the Corey Kispert ones were typically the best looks in that quarter. But even a couple of them were, were tough. And the Porzingis ones, I mean, I'm not. Porzingis from like 25, 26 feet on a slip or a pop. And yeah, there was one play where Scotty and Pascal they mix up the coverage, and maybe you know Porzingis hit just a straight-on three. But I I don't think that the Raptors you have to like lose your mind about Porzingis from 26 feet or something like that. You just can't let that shot make your game plan crumble. You, your you know your defensive scheme crumble. Sometimes they go in, sometimes sometimes they don't. There's a reason that the Wizards only ended up with 104. And there's a reason that Porzingis, he cooled off a little bit from three and overall, like he didn't hit every short mid-range shot when he flashed middle. He didn't do that. And the Raptors, for what it's worth, there was a lineup with, I believe, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Boucher, Dalton Jr., and Coloco, that they just demolished them. I think they went on a 13-2 run. This was, you know, this was a lineup where, once again, Dalton, he hit a three during this stretch, but he's just moving the ball along they could have used a little bit more aggressiveness, perhaps. But they got a lot of stops. They got a lot of runouts. And OG was hitting his shots during this stretch. Scotty, I think, was pushing pace. Coloco, Boucher, they were big on both sides of the floor as far as it pertains to the, the paint. So I just thought it was a really fun game. I thought they performed admirably. And that lineup um, is reminiscent of some of the Funkfest lineups that were so good last year, typically with Pascal at point guard and like no guards anywhere, like these no guard lineups that the Raptors managed to win a ton of minutes with last season that they haven't won a ton of minutes with this season. Um, Nice to see if for over the past four or five games, those types of lineups have actually been pretty successful. Something interesting, something to note. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. The Reggie Evans Award. I'm going to give it to Yaga Pirtle. I haven't been giving him a ton of Reggie Evans Awards, but I thought that he was good in this game. I was really impressed with him. He's really done a fantastic job of holding down the center position for the Raptors since coming over. um, He has all the grit and tenacity that you would want with way more finesse than I think most people would have expected just at a, you know, a moment's glance. Um, Something that even, you know, I talked to Nick Nurse about what surprised him about Jakob so far and anything he discussed as being kind of surprising that they've been able to do was you know, revolving around the finesse aspects of Jakob's game. And I think that's just been awesome. So thanks to everybody for tuning in. Another win. I'll be here with you after the Miami game. We'll see if the Raptors can finally hit 500. We'll see if they can take the more uh, desirable, de- <laughs> desirable spot uh, in the playoff mix um, over the Hawks. Fingers crossed for that to happen. That would make things a little bit easier to get into the playoffs. We'll see, though. Thanks for, you know, tuning in with me. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for watching. it on YouTube, like that video, subscribe to the channel. Most importantly, uh, subscribe to the website. It's where we do our best work, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in. Let me chop it up with you. All right. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.